All right, we will go ahead and call this meeting to order and we'll start with accounts payable. Great, we don't have a um, whole lot of unique items on the accounts table um, today. There's 29,847 to X field services and that's uh, balance of the retainer on um, Creek culverts. The three, um, there's a $17,250 payment for the 20, um, for the fourth quarter for the economic development contribution. Um, our total accounts payable um, is 434,586, um, $86.28. And payroll, the um, complete payment is $1,190,906.27. Someone should make a motion. Move, move to approve the accounts payables presented. I'll second that. Uh, we have a motion and a second. Any other discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Uh, all right. We are. Uh, sorry, consent. Go ahead. All right. Uh, Yes, I'd like to make a motion to approve the consent items A and B. Second. Any other discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Great. Okay, we are early for public comment. So I think we'll go ahead and open public comment. And if we have folks hop on late, we'll just go back. Um, so if, if there's anyone online here for public comment, you can go ahead and press the raise hand button or if you're on the phone, press star nine. All right, we'll go ahead and close public comment. Hey, I wonder if I wanna just change the time on that to 9.35. It seems like we're always early. Okay, great. That's a yes. <laughs> Just for posterity. Um, okay, we'll go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Tim. I'll be right back. I've got to go grab a pen. Um, okay. Kathy, you can come on up. Good morning. Good morning, Kathy. Ready for me to start? Or? We'll wait till he comes back. He never wants to miss the hiring of a motor vehicle deputy. <laughs> Okay. Well, good I know. mean, he made time in his day to be here, so we only have like two items. Well, one. So we don't want really, him to miss one really, because one of my items, I, I don't have a lot of things to discuss. Great. Well, we'll go home early then. We could be going home, or you could be going home very early <laughs> today at, um, with our agenda. It's a quiet. <laughs> in, some, mean, in some ways. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to worry because I'd like it to be a quiet yeah. I can't tell if it's a good thing or a bad thing we lose two days. <laughs> Hi, Tim. Hey, Kathy. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. I'm down here in uh, Hurricane, Utah. Beautiful warm weather. 
awesome mountain biking. Sounds nice. All right, are you ready, Tim? Great. Okay. All right, go ahead. Um, I am here today uh, for your consideration to approve hiring a motor vehicle deputy at step six of the pay scale. Kim Bonner is requesting approval to hire Nicole Grosse. I'm probably mispronouncing that. Apologize, Nicole. At step six of the motor vehicle deputy pay scale, she meets all the education and experience requirements to be hired at step six. She has a high school diploma, a BA, and over 11 years of relevant work experience, eight years above the minimum requirement. In addition, she has worked in the Route County Clerk's Office, Elections, and Motor Vehicle Department over the last two years and has already completed her drive training. The county manager has reviewed this request and approved placing this request on the agenda for your consideration and approval. This position is budgeted and the annual base compensation at step six is $54,785. All right, any questions, Dan or Tim? No, no questions. I, I like the fact that we're promoting from within. Um, and, uh, you know, she obviously has the experience necessary. Uh, and the fact that the people within her department feel comfortable with her and want her to see promoted, I am good with that. Are you ready for a motion, Madam Chair? Absolutely. Uh, move to approve hiring a motor vehicle deputy at step six of the pay scale. I will second that. Any other discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 All right. Um, we're just moving right along. <laughs> okay. Um, Kathy, do you want to go ahead and give us an update on the compensation survey? So I do not have much news on the compensation survey at this point because I am... My latest report is including all the employees Jay and I have talked about based on um, the last time we were here and we talked about how we were maybe going to address the, um, the implementation of this and for those employees that maybe were below the average. Um, I've been putting together a report with, you know, who's at step 11 and um, to, what to what degree they will, uh, that the average in the market is below midpoint of their position um, to get an idea of, you know, what kind of adjustments we may have to make. Um, because I think I'm going to let you explain that process of how we would be, we were potentially going to be handling some of those positions. Well, I think the reality is right now we need to check the numbers more after our meeting last week um, and, uh, and see how things fall out on the financial side before we really, really dial things in. So apologize for not having more for you today, but I think it's important to get you the right information at this next step as opposed to kind of a shotgun approach. So we're hoping to be able to come back to you at the uh, next regular meeting. We don't meet next week because of CCI mm -hmm. with a pretty comprehensive um, proposal for you. Okay. 
So, Jay, um, so, and Kathy, I also think that <clears throat> there's still some attention that we may want to place uh, upon some of the, the real big outliers. And, uh, you know, I don't want to get into second guessing the work of uh, our consultant, but there were some outliers that I think deserve a second look before we decide to simply accept those numbers. Absolutely, that's part of why we don't have more details for you today. Um, I did. I did want to address your 50th percentile yeah. piece. So I think um, you can go one. You can go either way. Um, I, I actually brought kind of a little bad diagram of the differences. And so I'm sorry, Tim. You're not going to get to see this. Um, in some cases. Uh, I've, been, I've been told that the 50th percentile, or um, I should say um, the median information tends to be available more frequently. So in some situations, the average isn't available. The consultant was telling me that if the average is available, that's his preference. I think um, it depends on how uh, skewed the data is. I think that um, if the 50th percentile is the midpoint and you know you have big outliers, that midpoint might not um, take that into consideration. So the midpoint is the mean and the 50th percentile is the median. Is that right? That's correct. And you can see that the numbers end up pretty close based on this, this diagram, but it- But when they're not close, it's typically because there are outliers that are big. Yeah. I mean, that's the way the difference between mean and median works. I learned this when I learned to teach elementary school math, so. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to think that was grad school stats, nope. but um, nope. I'm just checking. <laughs> nope. Fourth grade statistics. And, um, and it is interesting because there, if you go online and you research it, there's a lot of data that suggests, oh, you should definitely use the 50th percentile. And I kept talking to the consultant saying, well, why is it coming up the 50th percentile when you typically recommend the average? Mm -hmm. And he said more in, in a lot of cases, it's potato, potato type of thing as to what people prefer. But he also said, you know, he says the 50th percentile is usually more available than the average based on what he was saying. Mm -hmm. um, and, but his preference is to use the average. So I would have to use more recent, do more research to determine what we really want to do. But why is that his preference? I don't understand. Um, he says, where available, I like to use the average or weighted average. Um, he is says, it an average or a weighted average? Well, he prefers the weighted average, but the weighted average is less available than the average. Okay. Um, he said, if the data is smooth, the mean and medium will be close or the same. Um, with skewed data, it becomes a preference of whether you want the middle point of the array or the average. 
it's a potato potato is what he says. I think it's easier to, to explain the average to people. Meeting can be a bit of a challenge if they don't understand stats. We could have him attend the next meeting too and answer some of those questions directly if that would be helpful. Well, my concern is that outliers are skewing the data, right? And when you use the 50th percentile, you reduce the likelihood of that happening. And when we have positions where there's only at maximum 64 data points because there are 64 counties in Colorado, right? Mm -hmm. Um, if you have outliers, I think you're going to be more likely to see it skew in that data. And I think we do see that in a couple of these positions, right? Mm -hmm. Which is really my concern. And I don't know how we, how we tease that out. Like, oh, this one is skewed, but this one isn't. I don't know. I mean, I understand it's easier to explain, but I also think you could say, well, we use the 50th percentile because it removes the outliers. I mean, isn't that a straightforward explanation? It could be a straightforward yeah. explanation. Okay. <laughs> I, that's just my thoughts. I don't know. What do you guys think? Um, I think on some of the higher level positions, um, I wonder, I mean, naturally, a department director uh, in uh, uh, Arapahoe County or Jefferson County is likely uh, going to be paid more than an equivalent director in a smaller county. Kathy, is there, uh, I mean, is there any way to allow for that? Well, the, we're, the, the data that we're using is matching to similar sized organizations. That's, that's part of our, our approach. Um, so if it's, you know, I, I, I'd have to look to see what the breakdown is, but we specifically match to organizations that are similar to our, to our size. So, um, so does that mean that we, does that mean we excluded data from Arapahoe County, Jefferson County, Douglas County? That I will have to look at. I don't believe that's, I don't believe that's the case. I'll have to look and I'll have to look and see Tim to be honest. I think the goal the goal is to if the data is there um, based on our size organization we use that if it's not there then we would potentially use a different size and we would make it adjustment based on those differences but I need to go back and and double check exactly those specifics that you're discussing. Yeah, that, I mean, and again, I think uh, that's kind of information I'm going to be interested in, particularly in the case of the outliers. Well, and I, I think that some of the outliers, you know, the one, the outliers that I'm thinking about are positions that we had a difficult time matching when we put together a pay scale. So I think that those are probably going to have to be manually matched. Um, you know, I think there's there's a couple positions, or there's a there's enough there's a few departments that have positions in them that um, we had difficulty matching, and we're going to have to reach out to uh, either specific organizations that we know have that match, or we're going to. Um, have to kind of manually do a blend on those. 
that sounds good. Thank you, Kathy. My question, I guess, and it seems just intuitive to me, if you've got outliers, can't you just throw them out? Well, the outliers are our employees, which the comparisons are out of whack. So that's, that's the issue. Um, so that's why you're saying you may manually have to go. Because our, some of our positions are more unique than, than the market, then okay. we have to kind of go out and see how we're going to, you know, how we're going to come up with that, with that salary. Um, I don't I, see, but it, it seems like these outliers are holding up the entire process. And, and it, I guess my thought is if we know these outliers, can't we just pull them out of the mix, deal with them separately? Oh, for sure. Yeah, we can pull them out of the mix and deal with them separately. I, I'll be honest, I don't think they're holding up the process. I think the pro, I think it's just a matter of compiling all the data and determining how we're going to slice and dice all this, this okay. information. I don't, I'm aware of the outliers and, and they're in here, so maybe that muddies the water a little bit. Um, but some of these, I think some of these numbers are still going to be, um, there's still going to be a pretty big gap even with them matching to the market. Okay, I don't think all the, the big, you know, differences are due to just being an outlier. Okay. I think we're also talking about two different types of outliers. So we're talking about one where maybe the data is skewed because there is somebody in Jefferson County that gets paid 10 times more than and everybody throws else it all and throws off. it off, right? And then there are what we're also, we've been referring to as outliers as people within our own employees who seem to be way off right. one way, one direction or the other. And you wanna just look at those a little more closely. I am curious to know with the organizations that you were at before, did they use the average? Did they use the 50th percentile? What what was- I'd have to go back and, and check. I mean, it was the same organization. So I'm assuming it was the same model, but I, I can't remember the specifics on that. I just think looking at that, spreadsheet um there you're right in most cases it's so close it doesn't matter but it seems to me that when it, they're not close would be an indication that there are some there is something skewing the data do you know what i mean yeah and, that, and maybe it's just looking at that too and saying okay these are you know this is one where there is a significant difference between the average of the 50th percentile and we want to decide. And I and I decide. think I think if we wanted to, you know, we typically reference the average, but we certainly could go to shifting to the 50th percentile. I think that whatever direction we go, we would want to apply it to all the positions. Yes. Yeah, right. Well, I appreciate, as Tim was saying, not, you know, um, second guessing the expertise of our consultant, but I would like to understand that a little better, especially where there are significant differences between those two numbers. Well, and I can get him, I'll make sure that he's on the call the next time we meet yeah. so that he can weigh in on that. Unfortunately, um, my comp expertise is not 
not at the level of this, obviously. That's why he's doing it for us. Um, so that's all I have to share, unless you guys have other questions. Um, you. I'm good. Corrigan? Great. No, I'm good. Thank you very much. I realize what a, what a heavy lift this is. So appreciate your work. Welcome. And I guess we'll see you in two weeks. Well, happy Thanksgiving. Um, all right, we are an hour ahead of schedule, but we will go ahead and move to our manager's updates. Yeah, I don't think Eric has one today. No, Eric um, has no update today. So I'll we'll just be brief on the uh, public works director. We're hoping to interview three or four candidates, probably two interview panels in two weeks is what we're shooting for. Um, so we're trying to put that together. Um, on the COVID front, we're continuing to deal with employees out both exposures um, and or um, infections. Um, though that number is not huge, it, it is out there in our organization. Um, we did reissue, uh, or I did last week, the uh, uh, Mark's request that people mask up when they're not vaccinated and the department's heads have the responsibility to make sure, to ensure that's happening. Um, to clarify, though, if people are vaccinated and they're exposed, they don't have to stay home, right? If they're vaccinated and exposed, I believe the um, if they don't have symptoms, if they don't have symptoms, the requested or the advice from the CDC is to be masked when you return to work if you've been, ex been exposed. That's the, my current understanding, um, based on my last discussion of Roberta on that. Um, on the master plan. Um, Commissioner Melton and I met with the executive um, team, which is the chair of the planning commission and um, Christy last Friday, I believe. Um, yesterday, the survey closed. Um, as of last Friday, they had over 800 responses. So we yeah. should get a final breakdown on that. And, you know, we talked quite a bit about kind of the future outreach efforts and gaps to fill and, um, the efforts to date on uh, interacting or reaching out to the uh, Latino population and Spanish speaking um, population. So it, it seemed like things were moving ahead from my perspective in a pretty positive manner. I, I don't know, Mr. Melton, if you had a, other thoughts on that. No, it does occur to me though, um, is there the information Christy sent us, which kind of summarized the open houses and the community outreach they've done to date? Um, should I forward it to these guys or are they providing an update soon? I let's forward it to them. Yeah, yeah let's forward it so to I'll forward them. it to you guys. There were a couple of themes that I thought were interesting that'll be worth discussion going forward. Um, things I didn't necessarily expect. Um, so I'll just share it with you guys and sure. you can take a look. Um, are you excited to build a railroad to a passenger rail to Hayden, Tim? I know that's your favorite topic. <laughs> we are not building the passenger rail train, but that's not not happening in my lifetime, and likely not in yours either. So, so we did talk a little bit about the potential if um, UP scales back or um, gets out of the rail business in this area on what rail banking and that that should be referenced in the, the plan as a potential in the future to kind of broaden that discussion beyond just the rail connection. Rail banking would create a um, future transportation corridor, whether that's bike, pedestrian, 
autonomous vehicles. There's a whole series of things that could be used for in the future. So that that's really where that focus seemed to go on the on the discussion. Um, yeah, and you know, we really in talking with Christy, we focused on you know the difference between getting feedback from people and turning it into a policy, right? So something like um, connectivity, transportation is more of a policy versus right. uh, turn that into a light rail, right? <laughs> Which is a little bit more of an action. Yeah, direction. Um, yeah, and so um, we just had some some conversation about just what the policies actually look like that come out of these things. And obviously no decisions being made yet, but just talking about how to, what it looks like to integrate that feedback um, into a document that we can actually utilize. And I think um, one of the general takeaways from the uh, from the update was I, I think there's a higher level of satisfaction right now with the consulting team on the project than when it was first kicked off. So I think they've responded to um, the county and the county commissioner's concerns and we'll be monitoring to make sure that continues on our as we move forward. And I would also just say um, really good experience having these conversations with Steve. I think when we very first started a couple of years ago, it was a little rocky and it felt like we were trying to pull planning commission along to be on board with this. I don't know where the rest of planning commission is, but Steve is very much, he understands what we're doing. He understands where we're going. He's committed to it. You know, occasionally we might, I say something and he says, well, I don't agree with you, which is fine, right. but we're not, you know, we're not, Trying to, yeah, and, and it doesn't feel like I'm dragging him the way it felt like we were kind of trying to drag planning commission in the beginning of this. So I feel like that's really positive yeah. and good progress. That's my read. And I mean, even something is, you know, the discussion on a future land use map was was pretty interesting. Why the current plan doesn't have one, how that could be reworked into the future. Into the, the new plan, um, the language that people language. feel comfortable with around that, yeah, yeah. Oh, good, sounds yeah. very positive. Yeah, so I, I, I'm curious, I'm curious about one thing in this process, and maybe Christy would be better equipped to answer it than any of you. But in the past, uh, we've uh, kind of informally identified some areas in the uh, unincorporated part of the county that probably should not be zoned agri uh, AF, or should at least have some allowance for future commercial development. How will the master plan process inform that? Or do we just complete the master plan and then deal with those individual uh, zoning issues uh, when we update, update our zoning regulations? I'm sure Jay has some insight. Well, you know, I think that's part of the discussion on the future land use map too, on how much detail to call out those areas. So I think that's an active discussion as part of this, this planning process. But I think the short answer is they need to be called out in this process and prior to adjust um, looking at zoning updates. Those zoning updates should follow what the policies in this plan clearly. So I think that's going to be a big topic of discussion as this gets towards the... Uh, the end line. Mm -hmm. And we did talk about that a little bit and the benefits of having a future land use map, as well as some of the concerns that folks have had in the past about having one. Um, but I think at least within that group, it felt pretty obvious that whether we call it a future land use map or not, there should be some kind of 
concept that uh, Tim would would illuminate what you're talking about. You know, where where should future right, commercial right. use happen? Where should future higher higher density residential use happen? Right. Some of those kinds of things. And at least my understanding was that maybe in the past there's been some resistance to that because there was some idea that um, saying those things would make it happen, basically, um, and that that's problematic. And also maybe some desire to avoid the controversy of, oh, hey, I don't want this place next to right. where I live right. to be designated that Multi-family way. Multi-family or whatever. Right. But that it really is a best practice to have some idea of where and how these things are going to happen in the future. Yeah, and then coupled with that, one of the major next efforts is to meet with each of the municipalities. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those discussions, and that's coming up in the next couple of weeks. And a lot of those discussions will be on their, their growth areas mm-hmm. um, and how to integrate our plan with their growth areas, make sure that they sync sync up because not all, but a lot of those areas are going to be within those two, three mile growth areas of the existing municipalities. You're right. And so to that end, Christy did invite me to this session she's having with the Steamboat Council. Have you guys been invited to other, um, like with Hayden or with Oak Creek or Gampa? I think I got got invited to one in Yampa that I couldn't be at. So um, I can circle back and double check on that. And, and so uh, also back to this future land use map. Um, and again, it's kind of like the question I asked before, but a little bit different. But you guys have heard me express concerns about our PDR program when we end up conserving uh, uh, areas that are immediately adjacent to municipalities. And, and I'm not sure if that's a master planning question or a PDR question, but something I think needs to be talked about at least. They go together, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, and they need to go together. Um, sorry, Tim, what was your question? Oh, I was just um, going to ask you, you were talking about the original community open houses, right? No. So there is a time with each um, town council scheduled to have, and I think they're planning commissions if they have one. Yes. Um, to have conversation with them. And I know Christy invited me to the one with Steamboat and I wanted to make sure that, I guess it, if there's gonna be a commissioner at one of them, it seems that there should be a commissioner at, at, each, at each of them. Um, and so if you haven't been invited to those, maybe we need to chat about that. And Tim, if you were invited and can't make it, maybe one of us needs to try to see if we could fill in for you. Yeah. I'm. I'm- Frankly, I'm a little unsure about whether or not I actually got invited to one or was just told that it was coming up. But certainly, uh, Christy has that information, right? Yeah, yeah let's follow up with her and okay. see what the plan is. Because um, yeah. I just said, you know, tell me what you want me to do at that meeting. <laughs> you know, if you just want me to sit there and listen, that's fine. If you want me to make some opening remarks or whatever. Um, but it, I, was, I assumed that. No, okay. I, will, I will reach out. Yeah. Um, I think we can just have Jay yeah. okay. follow up with her. Let us know. Thank you. Yeah, that'll make it easier. Just one point of contact. Anything else on that? Nope. Okay. Anything else from either of you guys? In terms of uh, in terms of updates? Oh, in terms of master, master plan. plan. Oh no. Okay. 
Just one other update or two other updates for you. One is the SUP for the Milner landfill um, is in process. I just wanted to make you aware of that since it will be in front of you shortly if in case the applicant reaches out to try to contact you outside of our standard practices. Um, that it was gonna be on, um, gosh, the first week, the planning commission, the first week of December. I think it's currently been delayed two weeks at the request of the applicant um, because of the availability of some of the key staff to participate. So um, that's one you're gonna see, and I'm sure you'll get a fair amount of uh, input on the county staff and the planning commission's positions on certain conditions and stuff. So I just want to make you aware of that. Um, if you get requested for a meeting for the airport commission, for example, we'll keep it to airport commission. Only. <laughs> yeah, yes. Work as it comes forward. And then just the last thing is um, BCC won't be meeting next week because of CCI. Great. All right, um, Eric, let us know he does not have any updates today. So we'll go to Chris. Um, Tim Redmond, do you, have, you want to go first? Sure. Um, first thing I'd like to, to talk to you about was the ribbon cutting out of the airport. Um, I did go out and represent us for that. Excellent turnout. Um, we had Rick Garcia, Ed Dolan was there, Chantel was also there, uh, Mr. Took. Uh, the head of the Colorado Energy Office was up. Um, Tour, I think is his last name. Is it? Is it? Well, Tour, T-O-O-R. Okay, thank you. Yep. Um, and the governor spoke remotely. Um, was very nice. Uh, Maka County was was there. Uh, Peter Brexis as well. Um, so it really was uh, kind of a, a, an interesting situation that Kevin told me that they had to uh, do a planned outage the night before. And when they did the planned outage, um, the people in McKinstry that installed the solar system found problems in YBEA's transformer. So YBEA was out there at two in the morning repairing their trans transformer so that we could have that ceremony the next day. But uh, I just thought that was interesting and, and really impressed me um, how much on the ball McKinstry was. Um, other than that, I'm going to give you a little follow-up on our pretrial services. Um, I did have a conversation with the assistant AG um, for governmental affairs, uh, Curtis Morrison. And at this point in time, there is no money in the AG's office. Um, but between Beth and Mr. Uh, Morrison, um, I'm, I'm reaching out to, uh, there's a, an organization that has justice grants that I'm investigating. And as we move forward to develop this process, um, I'm gonna do the very best I can to keep the county's expenditure down. Um, there's part of me that feels that we should develop this program, but there's also part of me that does not feel that all of the burden of this program should be upon us. So I am, I am looking for um, funding sources as we develop this. Um, I was disappointed because there had not been a lot of participation from law enforcement during this process. And if they're not involved and they don't have ownership of it, I know this program will not work. 
So I have reached out to um, three counties um, and on the 1st of December, I will have a Zoom conference with the under sheriffs and uh, their diversion people um, so we can move forward. Do you have participation from all three counties at this point? Yes. Okay. Yes. Because that would seem like kind of a gap. Well, it is strange because it, although I realized that probably the week leak had been Judge O'Hara's um, inability to get out uh, calendar invites to everybody. And so when I spoke to him about where the undersheriffs, he, he admitted to me, well, I probably didn't invite them. So um, I've made a Whoops. point to go and check to make sure everybody's been invited to our next meeting, which will be on the second. And I'm hoping for full participation and uh, should be able to report some progress to you next time. Great. That's all I have for you at this point. All right, Tim Corbin. It's my sad duty to report that Round County's application for bridge funding for the Trout Creek Bridge, or not for the Moon Hill Bridge, was not successful. Uh, and, um, we uh, we're definitely getting penalized for our past success in this program, but that's it's a small amount of money, three million dollars to grant out, and uh, you know, twelve or fourteen million dollars of requests. So it's. It's, it's hard to qualify, but Mike did a really good job on the application. I think it might, might have succeeded had it not been for our past success. So I did not bring home the bacon. I'm sorry. All right. Anything else? Great. Um, I, uh, let's, can we talk about Peak? Did you read that email yet, Tim? I got Tim Redmond's response. You only need one other person, so you're good. No, I, I'm, I did read the email. Uh, I think, you know, I'm fine with moving forward. I think it's, uh, you know, it's more than what we might want to spend. But having said that, um, I think uh, it's a small price to pay for the benefit that really could accrue to the community. So, yeah, let's move forward with it. Great. Um, and just to keep you up to date on what's going on with that, um, so I'll get I'll have Jen put that agreement on our um, agenda just for us to sign it. Um, so that won't be next week, obviously, because we're not meeting, but the following week. And um, I am convening, or really with Anne and um, sorry, with Claire and someone else on her team that I've been meeting with as well. Uh, we'll be convening that steering committee for the first time on December 8th um, to start moving forward on some of those things. Because if you look at the calendar in there, most of the work happens like between now and in the first quarter of next year. I mean, in terms of the data analysis, it's really, it moves pretty fast. Pretty so, yep. Um, so thanks for your support on that. Uh, sorry for the oversight and we'll, we'll work on moving forward. Um, Tim Corbin and I attended the CCAT retreat last week. I think good conversation. I was elected as the vice chair, which is very, I don't know if it's exciting or not. <laughs> I'm doing it. So there we go. Um, which is a one year commitment. 
Um, and I think lots of good things coming out of CCAT. They're really interested in um, working on the short-term rental taxation issues, um, which the group is very supportive of, certainly, although a very heavy lift, obviously, in terms of that work. Um, so on that, on, on that subject, uh, it, was, uh, it was a big part of the conversation, the short-term rental issue. Uh, every county that's a participant in CCAT is seeing a lot of the problems that come with it. Uh, it is a very heavy lift to get anything through the legislature, but, uh, and I think there's some question how much capital does CCAT really want to expend on this, but I think the mood that I got from the group was yes, we want to try to at least address the tax, tax equity issue at a minimum. Uh, and, and maybe more. So I'm going to be watching that very closely. And as a side note, I think uh, our position to not permit short-term rentals looks in the unincorporated part of the county, at least from where I sit, uh, looks to have been a very wise course of action because I don't think that there's anybody in any uh, entity that I'm aware of that can actually claim that having short-term rentals, uh, especially in any volume, is a net positive for their communities. And so um, I'm very much looking forward to uh, hoping that the master plan process confirms that we're on the right track in that area. Obviously it's not up to us, it's up to the community to decide what's best for them. But again, uh, I, I think we can feel pretty good about ourselves in terms of holding the line on that particular issue. And then uh, kind of, no, I'll let you go ahead and finish Beth. There's a, a different issue I wanna talk about. Yeah, no, that's okay. I was just gonna summarize some of the things that were discussed there that I thought were important for us to be paying attention to. Um, that there are a few commissioners, especially from the bigger counties, Jefferson, Arapahoe, uh, Boulder, Adams, um, that all at Larimer that are engaged with labor on the on the collective bargaining conversation um, that appears to still have some momentum coming back into this year and just really grateful to those counties and their staff that really have the expertise to dig into the details of that. CCAT does not have a position and I'd be surprised if we got to a place where we took a position either supporting or opposing. Um, but what they are doing is engaging with the, the folks that are pushing for this bill to try to make it, um, to help them understand the logistical concerns and try to work through those. Yeah, and try to figure out if there's some room to um, have a bill that if it were to pass would be tolerable to local governments. In, in terms of the implementation, I mean, I think everybody in that room supports labor rights, supports collective, union, bargaining. collective bargaining. It's really the question of the burden on local governments of implementing such a bill and trying to help the labor components understand those things and get work through them. So I'm really grateful that CCAT is willing to engage on that front. I think um, you know other local government uh, associations seem completely uninterested in even trying to make the bill workable, which um, I think will be 
Yeah, because if you don't work with it, then you got to live with it. Right, exactly. So I'm really, I'm glad that CCAT is um, really stepping up to the plate to those tough conversations. Um, you know, wildfire remains a priority for that group. And I was wondering if you had engaged with the wildfire committee or if you feel like you have time to you know, I, participate I, in that group. You know, I have not uh, reached out to them. Um, I should. Um, do I have time? We'll find out. Yeah. Well, I think going into next session, it would be great if you, you know, at least had those meetings on your calendar. Sure. Try to, I, I just think you, given your interest, I think you would appreciate. Um, oh, absolutely. And there, there's probably that. resources there for me as right. well. Exactly. You know, education and resources, and that's what it's all about. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I will open the door and take a look. Yeah, I think that would be great. Absolutely. Um, and then, well, on that front, actually, there, there was some discussion about just where the state is headed in terms of um, minimum requirements for land use codes and especially, and I think building codes are maybe on the list for that for the governor too. After, oh, I don't remember the grant, but we lost out on that huge amount of money, federal money for wildfire because there was a brick, brick grant, BRIC grant. Supposedly, we missed out on a, like over a hundred million dollars of, uh, of funding from that uh, resource because we don't have a statewide building code. Was it building or land use? I don't remember now. Was, my notes were around a, a building code that would a statewide building code that would incorporate fire safe kind of construction. But it, it could have been more than that. It could have also have related to uh, land use. And actually it, it raised an interesting question for me during that conversation. Uh, and I don't know the answer to this, uh, but do we have, have we actually mapped uh, the WUI in Route County? Because there are counties yeah, there are counties that have done that where they have actually mapped out what they actually, we talk about the WUI, but it seems like it's a kind of a gauzy concept here. Do, have we actually put lines on a map so that we would actually be able to say, this part of the county is in the WUI? I remember seeing a map at that wildfire conference a couple of years ago. Tim, do you have any insights? Well, what I can tell you is right now, the community wildfire protection plan one of the goals is to define and map the wui okay so whatever map i saw maybe was well you know i was yeah. it was tim that uh informed me that there was a previous community wildfire protection plan mm -hmm. um i was not aware of that okay <laughs> great well and, so, and by the way this conversation about uh the wui is also needs to be part of the master plan conversation because if we're really going to be uh, making future land use maps, understanding where the WUI actually is and what we want to do or not do within it uh, is an important part of the conversation. Yeah, and you know, I mean, there are all, all there are places across the county that that's relevant, but I think about you know just in the area in the right immediate to Steamboat Springs, including in Steamboat, you know, yes. I think about going up Fish Creek Falls or out in the treehouse. I mean, we have these areas that are clearly 
the sanctuary, we know, you know, that are clearly impacted potentially by wildfire risk. And um, so it's not just us, but absolutely um, it needs to be part of that conversation. Um, but anyway, the conversation within CCAT was about um, what is our stance on local control? You know, what do we, what do we want to say about how we feel about these kinds of things? Certainly not taking a, a position on, you know, legislation that hasn't been introduced yet, right. um, but definitely just having conversation about when is a statewide um, authority most appropriate and um, what, what kind of needs to happen for those types of statewide authorities to take effect just from the position of CCAT, right? And so we had a good conversation about trying to figure that out and dance around it, right? As Tim likes to say, everyone loves local control until they don't anymore. So. Yeah, Matt, Matt Jones was the one that I, you know, I thought he made some really useful comments around the concept of local control. And, and, and like Beth said, there really truly are uh, issues out there that simply cannot be addressed on a county by county basis. When we think in terms of climate action, when we think in terms of wildfire mitigation, uh, any number of issues, uh, we, we may need to rethink how we think about local control. And, and it is, we dance around it because uh, it's been an article of faith, especially for any of us that were ever involved in the uh, in public education, you know, local control has been the, the mantra as long as I can remember, and, and with good reason. I mean, I think there's plenty of good reasons that you really do need strong local control uh, uh, on issues in your community, but there, there are times when that just simply doesn't work. So I appreciated the conversation. I did too. Um... I don't remember anything else that I thought was noteworthy. Tim, is there anything else you would highlight from that meeting? <clears throat> well, there was one takeaway. There was one takeaway comment for me when we were talking about some uh, public lands issues, and uh, Kathy Chandler Henry of Eagle County made the comment that we need to start talking about uh, use of our public lands and recreation as in, in the terms of as an extractive industry because, uh, that uh, we've kind of, we've spent so much time promoting the use of our public lands and thinking that it was an unmitigated good, but now we're coming to the realization that this is a resource that is being diminished much in the same way that uh, you diminish uh, oil and gas reserves, coal reserves when you extract it from the public lands. So I, I think it's just kind of helpful to start framing the conversation in those terms. Yeah, I wrote that down to you actually, that I thought was an insightful comment. Um, and then the, the, last, the, the last one that I have on my list uh, of notes was, there was a very fascinating proposal from uh, a guy by the name of Nathan Peterson he runs a, a business called Rocky Mountain Home Builders. I, I think he sits on the state Chaffa board. And uh, I think there's a growing acceptance that the future of affordable housing is going to largely be met 
by the creation of modular building units. And he had a really interesting proposal to uh, gather together $20 million between the state and the counties to fund the construction of a very, very large modular uh, uh, construction facility uh, with uh, some guaranteed uh, production targets that would be met over time. And he had some really good examples of projects that his company has done where they've been able to build uh, units uh, significantly less expensively than what they cost to be built, built stick built. And so I, I, I was fascinated by that proposal. A little skeptical when a private business person comes and starts asking for zero interest and forgivable loans from government. But on the other hand, uh, there's a huge unmet need there. And, and what, what interested me most about it is that he recognized, recognizes the need to do this work at scale. That the, he pointed out that there were three or four smaller modular home manufacturers that went out of business during the pandemic. And they simply weren't at the scale to survive a downturn. Uh, and that if you're really gonna get this stuff done in an affordable manner, you have to build a lot of it, not a few here and a few there. So I think that's worthy of some follow-up. It was unclear to me, Beth, who's following up with it? Or, I mean, is he just continuing to go talk to people? And what? And I, was there a direct ask of counties? I, I didn't really hear that. Yeah, so reading between the lines, I think what's happening is he is advocating for some of the ARPA dollars to go toward this purpose because, you know, the push is to do something transformational, right? Something that's going to have a long-term impact. Um, and so I, I think he's, he's really just looking for support for that to be the case, um, is my, my assumption per the conversation. Um, I also having some side conversations, I think Thomas is really enamored with the idea. And so wanted to get this guy in front of us just so we were aware of it. Um, you know, at some point there will be kind of a final allocation of those ARPA dollars following the interim committee's um, recommendations. I assume those will be legislative and so there would be some kind of support for legislation that included allocation of dollars in certain ways. That was my understanding. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah I wouldn't be, would be very excited about allocating any of our current ARPA dollars for that purpose, but uh, future ARPA dollars, that's a, a different conversation. Uh, Tim Redman, just for an idea, he was talking about a scale of 700,000 square feet of production per year. In, in So it, it, that's significant, that's at scale, that is something that could move the needle uh, for those communities that want to get stuff built uh, less expensively. Right. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, just talking about regionally, you know, where are these facilities located and having one located in Colorado would have some benefits and there really aren't any. There's a pretty small scale one, I think, in Buena Vista, but that's about it. Um, so, it, yeah, I thought it was compelling for sure.
Um, okay, one other thing. Do we have a budget hearing this evening that we're supposed to attend? This one. <laughs> yeah. What do we know about that? Is it in this room? Is it virtual? I mean, usually we're there for about five minutes and nobody shows up and then we go home. Um, but typically all three of us are there because we're having a hearing on the budget. Does everyone else have that? Yeah, I had it down, but I hadn't ever had any conversation about it with anyone. Are we all it's on my calendar. Great. It's, it's on my it's, it's on my it's on my calendar. It is conflicting with a mountain bike ride right at the moment. But uh, I mean, if I had confidence that both of you would attend, then I wouldn't feel so bad about not being there. Oh, Chris, Chris Coleman can enlighten us, I guess. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> Hello, everybody. It is night at five. Dan will be here and come up to talk to you and be available for anybody that has questions. It's kind of a in -person, virtual at the same time. Isn't it? I mean, it's usually it, it's when we would take public comment on the budget proposal, correct? Correct. Okay. So he's um, planning to be here at five. Perfect. Well, we'll be here too. I need at least one of you. I will be here. Great. Go Two ride your bike. Here. You can go ride your bike, Tim. We'll find, we'll figure out something that you will have to do to pay us back. I'll, I'll uh, tell you where all these cool mountain bike trails are that I've been riding. So. Love it. Um, I don't have anything else. So I think then I will see you at five. Yes. And um, we'll see you next week. Have a good Thanksgiving. Hey, before you go, yep. I just want to let you guys know, Jennifer and I had a little talk this morning. Um, and this morning, she went and took the first picture out of the observation window by planning. And she will take a picture every day um, that she's here. <laughs> she's not coming in on Saturday and Sunday, but document the uh progression of the project. And I, I think that'll just look that nice in the end. Cool. Other than that, I'm done. Great. All right. Well, we'll see you next week. Have a good Thanksgiving. Thank you. Great. See you in Colorado Springs, Tim.